This is Diver, podcast about diversity, equity, and inclusion in special education research. I'm your host, Federico Weitler, associate professor at the University of Illinois at Chicago and board member of the Division of Research of the Council for Exceptional Children. Welcome, 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 welcome to another episode of Dive In, a podcast about diversity, equity, and inclusion in special education research, sponsored by the Division of Research of the Council for Exceptional Children. Today, we are having our seventh episode. I can't believe in how fast time has passed and that we are already almost arriving to number 10. I think we should have a little party, a very special episode for number 10. But today... In the seventh episode, we had a great show for you, particularly for those, like most of us, trying to get published, trying to put their papers in major journals, and particularly for those doing work in equity, diversity, and inclusion within special education research. Today, we're going to have an interview with two of the new editors of Exceptional Children, one of the top, top journals in special education. So I hope you enjoy the interview. You'll learn about things to think about at uh, the time of submitting and learn about their vision for the journal. Here's the interview. Hello, I'm here today with Kathleen Quintorius and Endia Lindo, two of the new editors of uh, Exceptional Children. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Federico. It's always great to sit down and chat. Nice to meet you and be with you as well. Yeah, I'm very excited to, uh, for you to be here. You know, I have a few questions that I think our um, audience would like to know, some things maybe I'd like to know, a little more selfish. Um, and I want to start, you know, you 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 are the two, well, let's say this, you are two of the new editors of um, Exceptional Children, which is the uh, flagship journal, I would say, one of the most important journals in special education, I would say, in the U.S. and probably around the world. Um, and there's two other people who is uh, who couldn't who couldn't make it today, who is Amanda Sullivan and Patricia Martinez Alvarez. Um, and uh, we wish we were here, but they couldn't make it. Uh, but you put you you came together as a group. So my first question is, uh, how did you arrive to this idea of putting the team together for the editorship? And and how did the team came together? How did you know each other? How who was the the the, the the uh, the back end, the, the back burner of, of these decisions. You want me to start that off, India? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, India and I have worked together now for a few, several years with uh, DDEL in uh, CEC. And India was on the board. She was actually the president of DDEL when Christina Santa Maria Graf, Sina Skelton, and I applied for the editorship of Multiple Voices. And Endia gave us a, a, a really great interview, um, a critical interview. She was um, uh, supportive, but also um, really careful in the ways that she made sure that we were going to treat that journal uh, in a way that respected diverse viewpoints, methodologies, perspectives. Uh, and from that point, I was really excited to work directly with India. So I think she and I kind of stood off. Um, and I, of course, we know Amanda, Federico, you and I go back with Amanda from Arizona State University and then Patricia. So we just kind of put out an email and talked together and decided this would be a, an amazing team. And it really has been. 
Yeah. I mean, I have a little more backstory. The same reason I ended up as DDL's president is how I probably ended up here. And it just has to do with your earlier podcast person, Mildred Boveda, going, you need to be part of this team now. <laughs> and I was like, oh, one more thing? Oh, sure. <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I've, you know, been a consumer and supporter of CEC and Exceptional Children um, for quite a while and really thoughtful about the scholarship that goes out in our field. I and also, after rolling off of the position of DDL president, took on the role of Project 2020 chair. Um, in response to George Floyd and the social justice activities that we're looking to focus on. Um, and that's always been part of my question is, how are we addressing educational equity in the work that we're doing? Mm. Um, and how are we making sure, you know, these evidence-based and best practices we we're discussing, um, for whom are they best? Um, are we adequately addressing that? And so I've been at panels and I think a conference where we did one of those Ignite sessions and I'm asking you, how are we engaging in the scholarship? And so this looked like um, I, I'm at a point where I'm really trying to do have the service that I do to further field be transformative. And I guess that's where my head was of, you know, what's a team that can help and inform and advance us and our scholarship towards serving those populations that have been underserved, um, no longer admiring the problems and trends that we currently see, but really actively examining um, yeah. those populations that we need more information on. Um, yeah. We just kind of look at trends. So <laughs> that, That's one thing I, I'll pick up on, I think is common across the editors as well, is that we all, we, we, um, we analyze the problems in complex ways. We attend to many factors that are shaping what's happening in classrooms, schools, and communities. But also, we're we're um, we're working, whether it's in CEC, in schools, um, doing national service, uh, engaging in our own um, communities, our own local and national communities. And so, this is a group of people who, together, we knew. Um, aren't just sitting in our offices trying to cram out <laughs> research on things that we really um, don't fully engage around. Uh, so that's something that I'm um, really proud of with this team. Uh, and as you know, like Amanda has done a lot of work around questioning evidence-based practices for whom, like India was saying as well, um, and attending to issues um, from structural to individual uh, in her own research. And Patricia is working at the intersections of language and disability, justice, um, and methodologies directly with youth. So all, all of us together, I think, share those commitments, some of those commitments that NDO was talking about. But we're working in different spheres in a lot of ways. Um, and so that's what, one of the things that was really exciting for me as well, is that we all have our own spheres that kind of overlap in the middle. Mm, right. Yeah, and it seems... Oh, go ahead. No, sorry. No, and, I, and that to me was the other thing exciting about the team. I didn't know everyone on the team personally, I knew of them, I knew there were, you know, but I, I think it's important. I, one of my concerns as we talk, and I have a number of groups I work with, is this kind of gap and chasm we have in the knowledge base in the sense of over here, we're talking in this framing, in this framing, and we're not bridging, or we can't speak to each other. So to me, it's important that we are acknowledging the various ways of knowing. Um, and, and, and how we bring those together in meaningful ways. 
um, be, in, in, in respectful ways, mm-hmm. um, I guess I'll say. And so I come from a very Vanderbilt background and group design research and those things. And that is not necessarily where I have a lot of conversations about culture impact. And so I, I, I appreciated the different perspectives and framings and um, pedagogical and methodological backgrounds that we bring to the table as a team and trying to expand that knowledge for our journal. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that strokes me about the team is the the eclectic expertise that there is and, and the depth of expertise in, in different areas that it's needed for a journal, right, that serves uh, 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 supposed to serve at least a wide range of, of of research, and and I would say we have one more thing in common is that Professor Mildred Bobbitt, I get us always the free and travel because they, she always sign us for something that give us a lot of work, but but kudos to her because we also we also learn and grow with that. Um, uh, so. You know, you have this this journal right now, which is, let's say, one of the major journals in in, in our field, if if not the the, the most cited journal. Uh, what what do you want to take it from that? Where where is the, your vision for the journal? I was looking at India because you already had your <laughs> your mining Um Well, we have, of course. Uh, come to this because we believe in the journal. Like India said before, we've been consumers of the journal, contributors to the journal in various ways, through articles, through reviews, um, through uh, being longtime readers, uh, assigning articles in our classes, all of those things. And and of course, Mm -hmm. being part of professional communities with many of the people who have been part of the journal leadership and, and contributions over the many decades, the 76 or so years that it's been around. Um, so it comes from a place of respect um, that we're working to extend the legacy, but also, as India was saying, continue to, we have several goals, and we've started to lay those out in our editorials um, that introduce each issue. Uh, we've got a new, a second issue coming out in January where we continue to talk about uh, the the trends that are affecting special education that we want to address through the journal. But in our first introduction, which came out in October, we articulated four goals for the journal. And first and foremost, and I think this connects with what India said before, is situating special education as an issue of civil rights and justice and reminding um, us in our field that uh, of the struggle around um, inclusive, liberatory schooling and communities for people with disabilities, for disabled youth, and that that's really important. Um, and also that there are many, many intersections to identities and ways of configuring disability in relation to all social locations. And so one of our second goals is to really bring that idea of intersectional and disability identity to the forefront as we think about um, the experiences of youth and their families and educators in schools. Um, so we've got, we definitely have those commitments and we want to bring those um to the forefront. We're also aiming to continue to, um, to to support diverse epistemology and methodology. So if you look at the fields that the editors come from, um, although, you know, NDO was saying you come from uh, Vanderbilt, you, you talked about that, you kind of alluded to methodologies, you know, I come from Arizona State, 
or is very heavily sociocultural and uh, interdisciplinary methodologies. In fact, I remember us being called those culture people, <laughs> Federico, when we were in that program. Um, and then we have Amanda, who's in school psychology uh, and who does both large and small data set analysis. And then Patricia is doing rich, um, critical, uh, ethnographical um, engagement with youth in schools. And so that methodological diversity uh, and, and the ways in which we, um, we present our work uh, is something we're really interested in for the journal as well. Um, and then finally, we want to continue to increase the diversity intersectionally of the readership and the contributions of the journal. And so as you look at our new associate editorial board, you'll see some of the that diversity mirrors that of, of our editors, uh, not only in relation to our identities, but also methodologies, concerns, um, the ways that we construct problems and offer solutions. So those are our four goals. And yeah, you want to say anything about that? No, I think she's she's covered it. I mean, it really is the sense of how do we really fill the needs um, of the populations that we're serving and and address the needs that they need. We know we're we're really targeting our teacher shortage as a topic of um, where's critical scholarship, but we want more complex examination. As I said, I, I don't want to talk about, you know, the admiring of the problems again of particularly, say, Black youth, let's just say, our Black and Brown kids. Um, we know the trends, but where are they in the scholarship? And I've been saying that since I was a graduate student. Uh, you know, where are, they, where are they represented? Where do we have measures such as, um, you know, we talk about the impact of poverty and all and various marginalized identities, but we don't actively study it. We think um, you know, or not not adequately to say what's the evidence with those populations, but we know that they have different trends in performance and in response to those particular practices that we are advocating for. Um, and so I'm regularly asking the question, where, what do, how are we examining this? And for, we know, for example, free and reduced lunch is my Achilles heel. <laughs> yeah. Anyone who's heard me, it's it's such a weak mo uh, predictor. Yeah. Um, in yeah, it, it's easy. I understand why. But what if we were doing a literacy intervention, a reading intervention, would we use a predictor that only has a 0.15 correlation? You know, but but we get away with it because we do. Um, yet we know much easier single. What's mom's educational level? Gets us a better um relationship to some of these things or so they're just ways that I would I would challenge us as a field and not and it's not my challenge it's been a long-standing challenge is there several calls we can go back historically for us to do a better job of disaggregating outcomes so looking at those identities that are marginalized and what are we what do we what do we actually know and how do we support including those voices in the knowledge that we're creating um and so you know, yes, I want all of our large data set data. Yes, I want, but I want us to be a bit more critical about what we are uh, examining. You know, I'll have conversations with my peers and they'll go, but you know what? It, it seems like that's the other person's responsibility to do. And I'm like, you're the one with the large grant and the huge data set. And we have to examine, you know, we have to prioritize and I guess move with intention. 
the intention of actually mm. solving these long-standing issues. There is a brain trust of information here, a brilliant people and scholars that are engaged. And we just don't, have not sh shown the light on the things. We acknowledge it is a problem, but we have not actively engaged in the work of addressing those particular issues with s certain populations. Um, and I, I just call for us to do that better. And I'm hoping we can encourage a place where that can be part of the call. And we've asked those things of OSEP and other agencies as well in from Project 2020's position, as well as other groups that have come before and done this work around educational equity. Oh, yeah, that's that's great what you're saying. I mean, it seems since some of the things that that you're trying to bring to the journal or foreground on 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 this vision of the journal is this more eclectic, wide range of research methods, right? I really like what you say about bridging the field, right? Because we've been, uh, I feel like we we have different camps in the field that I think they're slowly blending, uh, uh, slowly, but uh, uh, over time. And um, and I would love you to, to hear a little more about that, how, how we can bridge through your work on the journal. Uh, the 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 device there are for example different understandings about disability different understandings about how to address equity issues uh different methodological tensions that may be how we can how we can bridge that out so we can provide a a, a much more um i would say coherent or much more co uh, cohesive uh, 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 body of work that can help us to resolve those important issues that you were mentioning yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Kevin. Well, one immediate thought that I have, and I think is it's a critique of mine about special education, is that often the the perspectives of those most impacted by special education are missing hmm. or largely neglected in the research base. Meaning we're not talking with and learning from the youth and their families who are going through those processes day to day and understanding the impact and the outcomes of special education, general education as, you know, a unified system. Um, so that's something that I, I think is powerful and important um, for bridging our field is to center the perspectives of those who mm -hmm. have experienced special education. And that is um, something that we're aiming to do through our editorial board uh, and through the ways that we're articulating that second goal that I mentioned before. Uh, around accounting for disability identity at, at multiple intersections. Um, another point is that, uh, India, you mentioned this earlier. I'm going to kind of mess it up, but paraphrase. Um, we have to be able to talk to each other with respect mm. and to not dismiss um, each other's perspectives. Um, you know, if we're critiquing each other, we're doing that on the basis of having read and thought about the work that each other, that we're doing and the traditions that we come from. And it, doesn't mean that we shy away from or don't engage in critique. That's part of an intellectual tradition. It's important for a journal to do that. But to critique each other um, on the basis of uh, often um, not engaging with, with each other's work, I, I take issue with. Uh, a third piece I'll add, though, is that some of the tensions in special education um, around, for example, how disability is framed, Federico, do come with particular stances mm -hmm. um, that I think we do have to acknowledge um, in relation to where the problem is located. 
And as India talked about earlier, and you really push back against India, um, this idea that somehow there's something wrong with our children is something that we all collectively as a group of editors are really pushing back against. And I want to say not necessarily that that everyone subscribes to that idea in special education. That's not what I'm saying. But if we don't interrupt that belief or we... um, we almost tacitly approve by focusing only on interventions, let's say, that seek to um, fix a, a, a reading issue that a, a child is experiencing without also seeking to understand the systemic issues around literacy instruction, around how literacy is defined, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, then we are um, we're focusing all of our energy um, and location of a problem in, in, in youth. And, and that's something I know we want to address through, uh, diverse methodologies is that we're trying to understand holistically and systemically, um, how we can make schools and learning better, uh, for youth with disability labels and disabled youth. Hmm. Yeah. And, and I agree with that. And I think for me, my active actions before taking on in this, um, role, and engaging this is about bridging the communication gap. Like we have to talk to each other and, and it can't be in, in respectful ways and consider what are the things, I mean, each side, and I hate to think about it as sides, but I feel like there's framings where I've just been in, immediately dismissed because I'm coming in with a group design, this or meta analytic, you know, and, and vice versa, right? I've, I've sat in forums where we've talked about critiques of this well, and as well, they've been very weak and it's summarily dismissed, mainly because it's a qualitative study. Um, I think or comes from a different orientation within the RAIM. And I think we have to recognize that there's a diversity of questions here, a comprehensive, these are comprehensive problems that have comprehensive, need comprehensive approaches and framings and perspectives. Um, I think Kathleen just said it a lot better than I did, but I think having space for those conversations, having honest critique and conversation, um, because right now I just feel like we just go into our own silos. I'm often told, oh, there are not a lot of scholars of color. I'm like, they are, they're just going, I mean, (laughs) Black women have like the largest rates of PhDs and most of them are in education. They're around, they're just not coming and having the conversations with us. Um, and that, why is that? Um, because what's the, are, are we acknowledging their needs? Are we, you know, I mean, the, the students that we're serving, how much are we really connecting with the realities of schools? Um, you know, so I often ask us, how are we engaging as scholars, as teacher trainers, as editors, um, in the reality of the the situations that folks are in, the positions they are in, in schools, as in all those different capacities that we study for improving outcomes for students. And I think we can't lose that our lens is really about improving outcomes for individuals with disabilities. Hmm. Um, and in these categories, that that is what EC does, that that is in rehabilitative services, right? And so making sure that we have that representation, those voices, of the different stakeholders for like, well, let, let, what's the word? That's not a good word. Can we community members, community partners, community members? I just I'm working on that. Community I'm working partners, on yeah. Can we edit that out? <laughs> but um, but how do we, you know, identify, 
you know, the needs. And that's that's like including those voices, as Kathleen meant, mentioned, um, the parents, the families, the students and individuals themselves. Um, what are their needs? Um, and, and we know many of them. We know we need to, you know, I'm a reading intervention training, you know, background. And um, but again, when I look at samples, I don't see the representation of those populations that we most are saying needing more support or not meeting the objectives in reading or whatever positions we are. So we have to be intentional in that. And I think we have to communicate across um, those folks who have vested in understanding what is going on and how do we navigate. That's that's great. Um, you know, I, I like what you say. We need to help to 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 create. You say something on the lines one of you, and, and I'm going to get a paraphrase and and maybe change. Say uh, we need to help to to bridge this gap. We need to help to critique each other, right? And I, and I think something I like to think it's not just critiquing each other, right? It's about helping us expand our learning, right? Help, helping each other to expand our learning because if we get in our own own little echo bubbles and uh, echo chambers, you know, we, we're always getting stuck and we're not going to be able to solve the, the kind of complex problems that you were bringing up um, a few minutes ago. Yeah, we can be very siloed as a community and and, and the echo chamber is strong. Yeah. Um, and, and there's been a lot of, there's been a lot of support for us. This kind of diversity of thought is the editorial team and bringing in, and there's been a lot of concern expressed yeah. too. Um, and so, and I, I, I challenge folks to question why that concern exists, why uh, hearing uh, expansive views is such a visceral kind of reaction, if that is the case, and encourage us to to, to reflect on that and, and what, what might we take away. We won't always agree. Yeah. <laughs> when have we? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's the scholarly activity to 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 examine, critique, and expand. And I encourage us all to have open minds and and and, and be involved in this process. Yeah, that's that's great. Um, you know, if I'm a, an author that I'm gonna uh, try to submit something, what what would be a, a very brief advice that you would have for future authors of of EC? People who wants to submit the paper to the journal. I I want to like anything. I think be thoughtful about the questions you're asking. What what are they address? What are they addressing? The areas of need. We've noted some priorities, but um, we are the same journal. We are just asking for a more complex and holistic review um, of things. So I encourage you to think about your sampling. I would love to see a disaggregation of outcomes more. And I'm not saying those are required for everything, but we're hoping to move people to be, um, uh, more thoughtful about how they're collecting data, um, how, whose voices they're reflecting, how they're interpreting what they're seeing, um, in, in their outcomes. Um, so I think there's, I think, you know, we've been addressing problems of practice for a long time. We know some of our priorities, like I said, around distorted, about um, where there are gaps in the knowledge base um, for our um, most marginalized groups. How do we support our families? All of those things are important. Um, Kathleen, you love to time in. I'm just thinking about um, the humanizing 
that we're looking mm. for. In how we talk about youth, how we talk about educators, how we account for experiences and families and to, as we're describing youth, for example, disabled youth, youth with disabilities, um, that we're thinking about who they are and the experiences they've had to come to a place where they may be receiving a reading intervention, for example. And so I know we're looking at language. We're thinking through um, the ways that children and youth and families and educators are being talked about in the pieces themselves. Um, that's something um, that we're really, we've been talking about. Um, another point uh, I would like to make is that we're, we're articulating a vision. We're articulating goals for the journal. And we have deep respect for, for Bill and John for the eight years, I think eight years that they led EC and the editors before that. But eight years is a while. And so we're moving into a new term of four years with the four of us with these diverse perspectives and identity constellations. Um, so I would ask that people do take the time to engage with what we've put out there as our editorial vision and the goals for the journal. They don't depart from at all the goals of CC as an org, CEC as an organization. They're very much reflective of the vision, the mission, the history, the legacy of the journal. But we have also spent time thinking together about what our hopes are for the future. And so if you want to submit, we we ask that you do consider those things. We've revised the the um the guidelines for authors. We have um talked more as a team about what we're hoping from reviews. Um, so one thing that you should experience as an author is to be treated with respect in the tone um, mm -hmm. and the constructive nature of a review you receive from exceptional children. Um, so that's something we're, we're striving to do as well. Yeah. And again, it's a rollout process. Um, you know, we, we, as we mentioned, we'll have a, each um, issue is that we, we, this, we're on to the second one, excuse me, that'll come out in January. We'll have some more guidelines thinking about, you know, kind of what are our foci um, on topic. But again, as Kathleen mentioned, but being thoughtful about how we're engaging in the scholarly quest um, is an important aspect. And so are we, you know, the topics of teacher shortage, the structural and um, relational factor shaping the experience of students and families are important aspects there. Um, how do we broaden conceptualizations? Um, of what we know and the application of evidence-based practice. And that's what I'm trying to get at in that sense of, you know, who are we studying? How are we, are we looking at how certain factors are moderators or mediators? And, and, and then we often leave off, are, are we broadening our conceptualization? Are we applying um, more mixed methodology or other framings of culture um, into those experiences? Um, and because I think we, we've tended to just kind of go, this is how we do it, we do it. And we are ignoring lots of aspects of individual identity, of, um, you know, just the, the variables that we are considering as outcomes and the populations that we are looking at um, who may be disproportionately being served by these, um, this whatever, this intervention, these services, these um, conceptualizations, but 
are often not involved in the development and creation of them. Hmm. Thank you so much. I think that has been great advice. I mean, as a me as maybe as a future uh, potential submitter, uh, that gave me a lot of uh, guidance for the journal and excitement where the journal is going. You know, I always end up the show with uh, two the same questions that I ask to uh, each interviewee, and because we have two, so I'm going to give you the, the opportunity to answer two short questions. So you, you, I ask you to to be to be brief. Um, the first one is, uh, what three pieces of advice do you have for special education scholars who want to foreground equity and justice in their research? And part of that you can recommend, if you feel very excited, you can recommend some, some readings as part of one of those advices. I'll start with um, highlighting two of our associate editors who both write about the experience of being positioned into special education and the various affirming and also stigmatizing and dehumanizing effects of, of um, educational placements, curriculum, and instruction that they've experienced. So David Hernandez Saka, whose work is, um, he does a self-study methodology and also works directly with youth of color with learning disability labels and seeks to understand their experiences of being labeled and, and going through special education programming and placement in schools. Um, also uh, has been an educator uh, of children uh, with disabilities at multiple intersections and is a member of our editorial board. Also uh, seen a skeleton um, who self-identifies as a Black woman with a physical disability, who also was a school psychologist. Uh, and Sina went through K through 12 in special education, I believe it's K through eight in self-contained and actually a separate school. And talks a lot about her own identity formation at the intersection of race and disability and a lot of missed opportunities that she had to be affirmed for her disability and the assets and the community that was built within her um, various uh, special education settings with her peers. Um, so one of my, I guess my advice, one advice is to learn from, talk with, listen to, engage with people, the perspectives of those who have experienced special education. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean you have to call them up on the phone and take all their time. <laughs> That's out there. Their work is out there for us to learn from. Um, so that would be one one piece of advice and I'll pass it to Thank you, you Kathleen. Thank you. Oh, Mia? boy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no. Um, I don't know. I think for me, I, I'm very much in the sense of taking from the knowledge base that we have. I, you know, there's lots of information we have out there, but engaging it from a growth mindset, I guess, in the mm. sense of where where don't we have that information, or what are the things we've taken as knowing that we really don't. Mm. Um, and so I encourage us. There's there are lots of things out there, like we know as poverty, we know this, and do we? Like, where's the data with that? You know, where's the, you know, wh where have you examined this? Or have we made assumptions about things? Or Because it's just how we've always done it. Um, and so I encourage us to engage in that, the scholarly pursuit in a way of considering, and I think using what Kathleen was just saying, the the the, the information and knowing from those who we are serving, nothing, you know, for them without them, you know, for us without that kind of framing. Um, 
to enhance what we know. Um, I encourage us to make sure that we are engaging in work that's representative of the many students and the full body of students that we serve. Um, you know, I, I think about it from the evidence-based research framing that I often sit in. We, you know, are we addressing the needs of larger urban centers or of, of certain demographics? Um, and, and being intentional about that, um, engaging in, in, in um, representative research and scholarly teams. Again, that's bringing in those different populations um, and uh, identities into that conversation. Because I think, again, we end up siloed We and we often just are reproducing the things we've already done. Um, and we're not going to expand this kind of equity and justice without really putting the lens on it. And I think often we don't even think about the lenses anymore um, because we're so entrenched in our frames. Um, so that, that those would be my considerations, I guess, is just kind of go in and expand. What is it we're not looking at? What has been, and and be frank about that, at least. I'm not saying, oh, well, our study didn't have this population. Well, but, but acknowledge and honor that in the work. We all have study limitations. Um, and, and then move forward trying to address that not just accepting that it's not there. Um, Thank you, India. That was, that was beautiful. Um, so, okay, here's my last question. Um, where would you like to see special education research in five years from now in terms of equity, justice, diversity, inclusion? I mean, I think I'd like us to be that that we can say, you know, for example, there, there are many things out there that we do. We say culturally responsive practice, for example. Um, what does that look like? How do we operationalize that? How do we serve? You know, I'd like to see some of the things that we talk about, you know, moving forward that that I can still look at reading intervention works and can't look at. I just I'm working on a meta analysis that we've been over 100 years of reading intervention work with Amy Elliman and team. Um, and we still can't tell you certain demographic features or how they're responding because we're not reporting that information. Um, looking at, so how do we use the evidence that's being created and maximize it um, is disappointing. I'm hoping we are moving to a place where we're giving rich demographic and descriptive information, that we're actively engaging the breadth of population that we purport to serve. Mm. Um, you know, I, I hope that we, we can look and see that we we're advancing knowledge in those key areas and we, we solved, not solved, you know, but we're, we're moving in pro positive ways towards addressing, um, the needs of our students uh, and, and again, all of our students and individuals, um, and, and, and there's some real targets that we that are critical um, that we're looking at. How do we prepare our personnel? How do we increase and diversify our personnel? How do we, you know, support the the, the academic and, and social outcomes and functional outcomes of our community? Um, and so those are things that I think I, I'd like to see us not be in five years having the exact same conversation about not knowing because they're just not present. Yeah. Thank you so much for 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 that vision and, and dream for the next five years. Uh, Kathleen? <clears throat> yeah, picking up on that, I'd like to see in five years the research 
addressing the issues of concern that people experiencing special education have for themselves mm. and for their children and for their communities. Um, are we uh, researching issues that matter to them for their futures and for their nows? Um, and to me, um, we we have a long way to go in that area. Um, are, are the goals that we're aiming toward, those goals that are relevant and meaningful? Um, and and I know that uh, we'll, we'll continue to get there and a lot of people doing that work. But I'd, I would like to see the field continue to move into that area. And the only way we can do that, I think, is by being interdisciplinary mm. and drawing from diverse theoretical and methodological um, uh, and representational perspectives. Well, thank you so much, Kathleen and India. You have like uh, uh, filled us with a lot of uh, wisdom today and, and a lot of advice. And, and I'm very excited about the, the, this new four years of the journal and the kind of work that you do. And, and thank you so much for all the service that you're doing to the field, because uh, if you don't know, being the editor or associate editor in a journal is a lot of work. Uh, it's a lot, a lot, a lot of work. <laughs> Uh, so thank you so much for all your time that you are putting on this and, and not doing other things that you may not like to do. Thank you for being with me today. Thank you for listening to our episode. I hope you learned as much from the interview as I did. This episode was produced by me, Federico Vaitoller, Tasia Gonzalez, and Haya Abdelatif. Please, if you like this the podcast, subscribe, and please tell your friends about it. See you next time.